¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome to my primo's podcast. My name is Freddy. And with me tonight, as always, is my primo, el Chicume, and your primo, el Siete, and everybody's primo, Walter. Say what's up, Walter. Hey, ¿cómo están todos? Bola de... Any, I don't know what to say now, but... Um, well, yeah, you're shy now? I'm tired, I'm burned out, but being asoleado. I've been in the middle of nowhere. Well, not in the middle of nowhere, but yes, down in Houston. Shout out to Donkey and Martha for hosting me for the last three days, including the debate with Trump and and Biden. Uh, fucking hilarious on I both sides. Hilarious. It's more concerning <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, funny. I was like, it just like like you look back on the commentary, but anyways, it was it was nice. Thank you. Um, uh, Donkey and Marta, like I said before, but we are here today with uh, we have Kevin special Gar guests. We have Kevin Garcia and Emmanuel Valtierra. He they are both working on a well, it's a Kickstarter that go live, but they're working on a book. And I want I don't want to butcher. It says Teotil. That sounds good to me. Uh, it, it's, it's a combination. Of, by the way, Kevin Garcia. So they yeah, go ahead and introduce yeah. Kevin. So yeah, Kevin Garcia. I'm, I'm the writer, Emmanuel uh, Valtierra. He's the, the artist. Uh, <laughs> it's a combination of two words: it's Theo, which is which is like a part of the the term which could mean God or godly or spiritual or or mm -hmm. holy or whatever, and Atl, which just means water. Uh, so Theo Atl, God of water. Well, water it's, it's it's more like water of the gods. Um, oh, okay. it, te technically, mm -hmm. te sacred water. Yeah, technically, like uh, or no, that's food of the gods, right? Like man. <laughs> Kind of like that, but 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 uh, the way it goes like this is like the term generally speaking nowadays means like the ocean, right? But if you're talking mm -hmm. about like back in the day of of the the actual like the empire and all that kind of stuff, it was more of like a metaphor where it could mean it, sorry, it could be part of a metaphor where it could mean blood sacrificed for the gods or blood of battle because it's in the name of the gods. So it's like blood that was that was spilled for a holy purpose. Mm -hmm. So okay. so it can but have different. We have the same purpose as holy water that we have yeah. right now, right? Like it was just. Holy blood. Yeah, you could say, yeah, you could just say holy water, and, and I just I just try to avoid saying holy water flat out because then it makes it things like it's more of a Catholic thing, and that's something else. Totally, By the way, that's so evil, man. No, well, uh, yeah. it's a whole different thing, and we'll get into it's it. It's a different we'll culture. Talk, yeah, a different culture. Yeah. We'll talk about. It. I know we're gonna dig, but I want to just introduce each of you. Give hey, you a moment <laughs> to exactly. I guess that's Kevin right there. Hey, that's telling us his spiel. You can tell he's the writer, full of words. We have Emmanuel, which is also is the illustrator. Manuel, uh, chime in here. Tell people who you are, where you're from, and just to get to know you. Well, primero que todo, thanks a lot for inviting us, primos. Sí, sí. And uh, again, uh, I am the illustrator of the comic. And uh, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. So, uh, well, Kevin is from Austin. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've been working on the comic. It's been fun so far. It's almost uh, finished. We have the campaign running on Kickstarter. Uh, it has been funded, but we're looking for more backers because we're going to you know, hit the goals, uh, go beyond, work on chapter two, going fun, crazy, and we love it. So that's what we have right now. And, and uh, I'm sure you, you guys going to like it. No, I'm excited. And I'm going to have Kevin chime in here. Give a real, you know, a little a little intro. But uh, we saw the Kickstarter video. You know, I followed everything. I'm, I'm going to back it. I think it's phenomenal. I love the artwork. I love the story. And the tiers on it and the rewards, guys, if you know Kickstarter, again, if you're not familiar, because not everybody that listens knows, Kickstarter is a website where you can visit and you can fund projects, not only comic books like this, but other projects as well. But the good thing is that whatever you decide to pledge, if the goal isn't met, nothing happens. Your funds are safe. Nothing's charged. You move forward. But if it is funded, the creators are actually letting you in on things, you know, be it a producer credit, be it a gift, be it the product itself. You know, sometimes they're so exclusives that we want to get on the ground floor, right? Because then these become collector's items. And then when these guys blow up and forget about the primos and end up running their own <laughs> thing, hi, having their own TV show, be like, oh yeah, I have the original one. But yes, you get you get benefits and you're helping creators really make something happen. That's good, especially Latino creators, which we're all about representation. But um, Kevin, I want you to kind of give us a quick spiel on who you are, a little bit about your background, and then talk about the story a little bit. Well, okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as, as Emmanuel will tell you, man, I have too many words. So that's, that's true. Uh, I, I, uh, so 
who I am. I've been a professional writer for 20 years. I've been a professional teacher for 14, 15 years. Um, I spent about a decade as a reporter for a newspaper connected to the Associated Press. I've, I've spent 10 years even working for Marvel Comics, which sounds really cool, but I didn't actually do anything that exciting for them. What I did is I was part of the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, which is a team of researchers and writers from around the world that basically keep the lore of the superheroes. So if you needed to get like the backstory of Captain America, that'd be my job to research the old comics and write it down into like a couple pages to be like, this is back Captain America's backstory or Beast from the X-Men. But while I was there, I got to also do some stuff that is part of my passion. So I got to write the, the bios for some of the Mayan and Aztec gods as they exist in the Marvel Universe, mostly Thor guest stars, although yeah. one of them showed up in X-Men first. So that's kind of weird. Um, but but, I uh, but yeah, you, that, which is you're like the encyclopedia oh, wait, of this wait. stuff, right? So you're say saying, it again. Say it, say it again. Like you wrote the, uh, like a back the Wikipedia, I guess. The type yeah, well, of yeah. I don't want to call it a Wikipedia. Mayan or Aztec <laughs> gods, or would you say? Yeah. So I wrote. I wrote myself and like twelve other writers. We were working as researchers for Marvel Comics, where we'd write about the superheroes, the villains, the gods, the normal people, everybody. And whenever the opportunity came up to write about my Aztec gods, I took that opportunity and said, I, I want that. Oh, let me write that page. Let me write yeah, that page. Awesome. So yeah. I got to do that. And, and I got to incorporate, for example, the actual like mythological legends and stories into the background where that's not really mentioned that much in the comics. But as long as it doesn't contradict, it can still fit. You know, mm. so you'll fill oh. in the gaps and you with editor permission, Every, any gap we sure. fill, we always have to make sure the editors gave us the go ahead that, yes, you're allowed to change that. So. But the good thing is that you both have, you know, your your partnership here. This is your first book, from what I understand, right? You guys, I mean, yeah. you have background so, in art, so, Emmanuel. Well, Kevin, writer, and of course worked in that industry. But this is your first. But I didn't book. get to write comics flat out. I was writing prose mostly for Marvel, so that's why it's different. This is like actual, like panel to panel comics. And and Emmanuel, I'll tell you right now. Actually, I don't know if he should tell you that he's been working on some cool webtoon stuff that he's been doing. But Ooh. that's like like he's kind of dipping his toe into the comic books universe. This is uh, uh, the world, I guess. And this is our first actual like actual graphic novel comic, or either of us are making. So let me ask you this, and we'll get into it here. I want to know you know a little more about the, get in the weeds of it. But how good did it feel? getting this funded before your 30 days. I mean, I mean, people say they talk about that with COVID happening, that they got a boost. You know, what was your experience like? What you guys go? Because you guys, when did you launch? And then how so, did that feel? So we got a story behind that a little bit. Um, there's, there's two parts. What? Um, first thing is we were going to launch last uh, a while back, right? I, I don't want to specify that. We filmed our video initially. A long time ago, we were going to launch. I personally have always had, you know, everybody has these irrational fears, like that one thing you're afraid of that can't possibly be true, but you're afraid of it anyway. Sure. Like I'm afraid of clown spiders. You're like, that's not a thing. I'm afraid of it anyway. So <laughs> my irrational fear was I spent 20 years as a writer working on other people's stuff or writing nonfiction. And my fear was if I ever start dipping my toe into writing my own original stories, some apocalypse is going to happen and my stories are not going to work out or it's not going to get published or for whatever reason, it's just not going to happen. And we were going to launch the middle weekend of March, uh -oh. which is when Texas shut down and when wow. everything else shut down. So literally my one irrational fear, the one thing, like I've been in planes that have almost crashed and I was like, I was like, whatever, it happens. Like I can't control the planes, <laughs> why should I worry? My one fear, my one thing that actually makes me scared, I've had family members die and I was like, you know what happens? I guess life. The one thing that scares me happened and it messed me up. And uh, I just, I, I first I was like, we can't, we can't do a Kickstarter because it's COVID. Nobody has a job. Nothing's happening. We were going to go to all these comic cons. All the comic cons got canceled. But Emmanuel's like, fuck it. They kicked the door down and we're like, we're doing it. Is that what happened? Manuel, why did we finally start doing it? <laughs> Is that oh, exactly it? Was it was pretty much like that. I mean, Kevin, <laughs> he, he was at home. He was like, Kevin, you want to do this? Like, well, I don't know. We have the pandemic and all that going. And I was like, you know what? Like, you do whatever you want. I'm going to be working on my own projects. Just call me when you're ready. And uh, maybe like two, three months passed, right, Kevin? Something like yeah. that. He's like, well, I'm, I'm kind of ready. I'm like, you're, you're late, dude. Like, you're late. I'm busy right now. <laughs> but then we got uh, an interview, and uh, we talked about the comic again with them. Yeah, we were talking with the, with the Comic-Con. Yeah. And they asked us, like, when is it going to be launched? And I was like, well, I don't know. But, like, you know, we had a good conversation about the comic in that interview. And uh, after that, I talked to Kevin. And like, you know what? Like, I'm going to pause what I'm doing right now, and let's just finish the comic. And uh, that's what we did pretty much, and it worked. And I don't know about the way I felt 
uh, I mean, we founded the Kickstarter in about four days. Wow. Three days. That's impressive, like that. dude. That's yeah, impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Uh, this is like my 15th Kickstarter, between 15 and 20 Kickstarters. And wow. I have funded most of them. So for me, it was just something I was already expecting. I mean, I normally expect the worst from people, but from my work, I expect the best. Is it the so, pressure? Is it the, is it that like pressure like that someone's watching someone there's money paid here like is that motivate you? Oh no, yeah, uh, in a way, yeah, I like money. I mean, then again, who doesn't? <laughs> but regardless of like, the money, you like money, I like uh, money. What? No, I like no. money. Say. Yeah. <laughs> but regardless of the money, I mean, uh, I told Kevin like, <laughs> we don't get funded. I'm gonna finish it, and we're gonna publish it for free online. Of course, I mean, we're not gonna print it, but like a PDF or like whoever wants it. Uh, but then again, I mean, uh, after the, uh, the third day, we got funded on the fourth day, I don't remember. And I was like, yeah, I already knew it. Uh, but I'm sure Kevin is all different because it, this is uh, his second or first yeah. Kickstarter. My, fir my, my uh, first Kickstarter was like almost 10 years ago and it was a horrible failure. I didn't know what I was doing. It just, it was a spur of the moment thing where people were like, hey, you, you, were, asking, you were asking for 50 bucks probably. <laughs> Basically, and I didn't get it. Yeah, but I was doing a road trip and since I, I just stopped being a reporter, I liked interviewing random people and I said, hey, I'm doing a road trip anyway. I should write just stories about whoever I interview on the road. And somebody's like, oh, you should make a book out of that and do a Kickstarter. And I was like, mm. sure. So I literally just put it up there for, for and, and like I had no plan going in. No, it, it, I'm embarrassed by the video. I take it down but then it's like kickstarter's like no we leave it up for posterity so it's like it's still there um but uh, but it was but it was just it was just a spur of the moment like hey you should write a book about people you interview because i just love interviewing random people in small towns i just love doing that you know i mean it's not not any different from you know what we do here as far as you know but everybody has a story i always say that you know people every, always yeah. come on and they're like every town there's a story you just got to find it yep. and everybody people, has a story people because they'll go um i'm a boring person i'm so quiet i'm not gonna have anything to say and nobody's I go, Trust boring me. Nobody's, Nobody's born. born. You got a story Everybody to tell. Got a story to tell. Oh, yeah. You get somebody at the right time. I'm hasta lo, hasta lo, hasta por los codos. Bueno, let's go. Um, so, um, first of all, damn, you know, again, congratulations. I love the Kickstarter, you know, to carry you guys, and we want you guys to go support. And we'll, of course, you know, talk about this. What's the the Kickstarter? Of course, is Kickstarter.com and Teoato. That's T-E-O-A-T-L. Just look up Kickstarter Teoato, and you'll find yeah. their video there, the details. I'm going to get into it where I get the, the physical copy. I want the postcards. You know, I'm all, I'm all about it, man. So I'm excited for that. Uh, but those listening, you know, you're, you can go to the website and they can look at the video. Give us, I don't know who, who's the better one here. Who do you want? I'm going to leave it up to Emmanuel since he hasn't said much for me. Actually, you know what, Emmanuel, tell them what, what, what you wanted in terms of like your goal of storytelling, you like the kind of story you wanted to tell, and then I'll yeah. tell them the actual plot of the comic. Yeah, that's what I was going, so thank you. Well, you're talking about the script. Well, yeah, well no, what's we, the we, device? We like, what was your idea? It, when, when, when Emmanuel and I first talked about it, he's like, I want a story that is like this, and I want to be able to have over the top, you know, so that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, what was it that oh, you wanted? Okay. Well, yeah, I saying. wanted something uh, rude, like something uh, very manly and very feminine. Right, and uh, you know, I wanted like a, a main character who is like big and strong, and uh, destroys everything—a lot of blood. That, that's what I wanted. Uh, well, Kevin like had a, a different idea, but we kind of <laughs> found a balance. Yeah, we merged idea. it together. Yeah. yeah, Kevin wanted more, more something more historical, probably, or uh, something. Yeah, more I, like I think I think originally I was thinking more like underdog kind of people, and then he's like, no, no, we need to have like an over the top, like the kind of guy that just comes in and just takes on an army by himself. And the more I thought about, it, I was like. We can work with this. We can make that happen. We can make that the story. So, yeah, I mean, the artwork lends itself to this too, and we'll get into the artwork mm -hmm. here a little further. But give people listening the the pitch and an idea of what right. to expect from book one of the author or so, the universe in general. So the story itself is the is the origin of the Aztecs. I, I like to say it's the it's the birth it's the origin of Tenochtitlan. I've been calling it the birth of the Aztec Empire because that's literally what it is about. Um, as uh, Emmanuel has written about previously, they're they drawn about previously rather. He, he likes doing Aztec history. Uh, a lot of people know the story of the pilgrimage, where the the Mexica were were a nomadic tribe that were told by their god, you know, which they supposedly said, "You will find your your promised land, and you'll be there." Um, I'm not covering that story. I'm covering the end of that journey where they actually get to the promised land, because I think anybody who's seen the Mexican flag is probably at least somewhat familiar with the story, or the story, the image 
of the eagle and the snake and the cactus on the rock. But before they got to that snake in the with the eagle and the cactus and all that stuff, a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. And that's actually the story that we're telling. So the entire story is basically the, the moments leading up to that discovery. And it is based on various accounts that were written by different historians between the year 1300 and the year 1700. I'm also obviously tying in modern history historians and modern folklorists and modern um, uh, anthropologists, but it's primarily based on those older stories. So in those older stories, they weren't worrying about is it real or not. They weren't even worrying if it made sense because like uh, there's a one historian named Duran, even in his story, he's contradicting himself as he's telling the story. So I'm just like taking the bits and pieces of the story that we like and telling the story as the, the, the Mexica themselves might have told it, where they are the greatest heroes ever, even if, you know, bad stuff's happened around them, they're like, we can take it. Well, uh, let me interrupt you. I'm curious, because I have a theory right now. Emmanuel, mm. if you had to tell that same explanation to somebody, what would your interpretation be? Like, what is, my, what is this book? What is this about? Like, what, why okay. would I want to hype me up? Because I feel like you're going to come from a different <laughs> angle. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he pretty much said everything uh, I had to say, but, like, I I'm going to add this, like, Normal people, when they hear about uh, the uh, creation of Tenochtitlan, they think about the pilgrimage scroll. And this has nothing to do with it. And then again, I mean, if you hear about the pilgrimage scroll, you, you will think about something like, uh, I don't know, Lord of the Rings, like a journey, a yeah. journey story. Nothing like that. Like, let's say you have the pilgrimage scroll and it has like maybe 20 pages, maybe 25. The last page is when they arrive to Tenochtitlan, but it's only one page. And this is a whole comic, and it's a it's about war, it's about a jealousy, about a getting bigger, it's about blood, and it's exciting. I mean, it's not what you guys are thinking. And when I say you guys, I, I'm talking about the audience. Sure. Because then again, I mean, they, they're probably thinking about the journey. Oh yeah, I mean, they moved from a slam to no shit land. No, they are already like right next to this slant here, and they want to take cover. And they're that, technically uh, less than 15 miles away. And it took yeah. them a few years to make that last 15 miles. So that's pretty interesting because um, even before, um, oh, by the way, Rob, we were we were fortunate. Uh, uh, it was a pleasure to be part of the Texas Latino, Latino Comic Con online, Mika and in Tucasa, right? Like, um, and we were we did that last week, right? And before that, I got I, I actually um, I don't know if you've seen. Uh, Barbarians Rising on the History Channel, I think. There's by Barbarians Rising, and it, and I watched that and got hooked on it because it tells the story on the opposite side. You always hear about the Roman Empire, right? How they did whatever they did, and it's like glorified immensely, right? Which they should because they they accomplished it. Like you know, it's a fucking empire, right? So, but then uh, Barbarians Rising tell the story from Hannibal all the way to like all these characters that made an impact and pretty much said, fuck you to Rome, right? In their own way. And, 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 and so then I started doing that and I went in like deep into like tribes of Romania, the the Scythians and all this crazy, like you have a map right behind you, like right there. Um, <laughs> like I went into it so deep and it's like so much movement, so much conflict over the same soil and that same little piece of land and how tactic. So anyways, I went down that driver hole and it was interesting, I loved it, but then I thought to myself, shit, what was going on here in the Americas at the same time, you know? And, and then, that's exactly oh, it. Yeah, exactly. So then I jumped and started watching. Unfortunately, you can find everything about the Romans, everything about the Scythians, the barbarians, the Goths, everything online, produced by a network, you know? Like they're, they're curated for you, right? So then for this, I had to go literally to YouTube and look up videos of people themselves, researchers, giving you the story of how, you know, Omeka, Omeka the Mayan, the Aztec. Um, and then I then I went down this rabbit hole and then boom, Stanley told me, hey, we're gonna interview these guys on this. And I was like, fucking awesome, man. <laughs> it, felt, it felt good. Like I was like, damn, that's what I've been. I told Stanley, like, that's been I've been I've been falling asleep at one o'clock watching videos in my bed like this, uh, just you know, listening to the stories of the Maya. So then um my question is like, where does this your story take place in terms uh because I looked up how you know the Aztecs came up, the Mexica. And, so, and Takuma, how, Takuma, let, yeah. me sell, let me sell it to you right now. Our main characters are the Mexica. 
who are essentially a warrior people, but they are the underclass. They are looked down upon by the people from Kuokan who are the, uh, the, the ruling class. They are the, 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 the most prestigious people of that part of Lake Texcoco. Um, as the story goes on, they have been fighting the Tepanex, who are just traditional enemies of Kulakan, and, and they're not a major part of the story, but they're still an aspect of it. But a major part of the story is going to become the Chichimex, who are... The, the description I love of the Chichimex, I talked to a historian years ago um, who passed away, and he was telling me that the Chichimex are to the Aztecs what barbarians are to the Romans. And okay. the, idea, the idea being is the Aztecs, the Mexica are people that will rip out your heart and skin you alive. The Chichimex scare them. Oh, so I, I love the idea that these guys are barbarians to the civilized Aztecs. And, and by the way, I want to specify, you know, I don't want to call the, the Aztecs barbarians. I don't like that term. I want to say that this is I culture for the Valley of Mexico. The, mm. Chichimex, the Chichimex are different. They're, they're, they're the ones that are scary. Now, by the way, if you go to the Chichimex culture, they had their own cities. They had their own cultures as well. It was not like they were barbarians. So, so, to, add, to kind of, you, you're mentioning like, you know, Tenochtitlan and uh, all the, so then where the story takes place, uh, the Aztec Empire has already been established or it, is no, getting- it does not exist yet. Uh, so not they- are, no, no, no. The Aztec Empire was already gone because the Aztecs are from Aztlan. Uh -huh. That's true. Okay, yeah. Yeah. More like the Mexica Empire has yeah, been established. But after that, okay. okay. Well, after the Aztecs, when he says after, it's like, you know how Lord of the Rings is supposed to be like before the time of man? That's the mm -hmm. way the Mexica think of the Aztec Empire. Like it was it was in the, the before time when we were ancient and a powerful people, but we don't know when that was, you know. Emmanuel, so uh, how, let me ask how, you something. How, I, I want to I wanna ask Emmanuel something, Walter. Back off. Back off. Yeah, I love it. Trust me, you and Kevin can have your own podcast talking facts and dates and tribes. Manuel, yeah. how fucking cool is this thing gonna look? Because I, I want, I love <laughs> the historical of it. Like, is I saw some of your artwork, I love it. Like, look, people look like they're made out of stone, but like, like, is that on purpose where they're like just these tough, burly people? Or, I mean, you're playing with the textures and. I feel like you're setting up characters that are just built tough. Like, is this going to be like an action comic, uh, more so than historic, or is it just a mix? I mean, tell us. Okay, it is an action historical comic, more okay. like that. And yeah, it, it is half purpose and half does the way I draw. <laughs> so if you look like my uh, my sketchbooks, you see like big guys and uh, mm -hmm. you know scars. And uh, a guy like with an ugly face and a lot of uh, wrinkles. That's what I like drawing. I'm not gonna lie. And um, I, I told Kevin, I mean, because I really loved uh, drawing in a cartoonish style, more like in like you know 50s, 60s. Like um, what's his name? Johns. Uh, I like uh, Tex Avery. I like all those guys. Even like from uh, the early cartoon networks. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Tartakovsky or something like that. The guy who used to draw uh, Dexter Gendy. and the yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, the guy, the guy that did the uh, Samurai, uh, Samurai Jack. Samurai yeah, Jack. Exactly. Yeah. So the, I, I love drawing that. Well, like when I try, I try <laughs> to draw kind of like realistic. That's what I draw, like big dudes and like beautiful women and uh, wrinkles. But se presta, right? Because you, know, you always see the images, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like I always, and I don't know, maybe it's the way the culture has been, the way we've grown up. Where whenever you think of an Aztec warrior or, or in, in that scenario, it's always the guy on the lowrider cover. You know, like it's always that same dude with the feathers yeah. and the dead lady in his hand and in, in his arms. Like that's the only thing I attribute to Aztec art or Aztec warriors or that idea. But you're taking a, a different step, different way. Well, how do you guys yeah. fight that stigma? Well, then again, I mean, we're, we're leaning into let's it. Let's talk about we're, we're, yeah, we're let's talk about Romans right now. I'll give you an example, like. For example, uh, 300. Okay. I mean, have you seen the comic? That's the way they look. They're all big and tough and uh, beefy. Yeah. But if you look at, I mean, if you go to like history books and you try to mm. find out how they really look, they were small, man. I mean, they were like, the tallest dude will be like five feet tall. Yeah, like probably. I was in a, what's his name? Uh, this place, the volcano, help me here. The volcano. Uh, where Pink Floyd was playing live once. Oh, wait, what? Or Pink Floyd was Pompeia. Pompeia. Pompeii. Oh, Pompeii. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Pompeii or Pompeia. So I was yeah. there, and uh, they have the corpses of people who died burned by the volcano. Yeah, the ashes. Dude, they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah the ashes. 
they were like four feet tall. Everyone. So then again, I mean, come on. Like, you yeah, I mean, you, you just you just have to look at you have to just look at your own family, like Samuel, like what my brother Samuel, that fool looks like the Omega heads, like that. His face literally <laughs> looks like a fucking Omega head slash uh, Samoan. Uh, like, you know, like he looks like the guy from what's that movie from um, Disney, the one with the. Uh, he looks uh, like Moana. Like some, uh, yeah, Moana. Like he looks like, he looks like Maui. So, so then I like that too because it's kind of like you see yourself, like it's a, you know, everybody says it, and but it's important to actually get it done. And when you actually see yourself in, 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 in somebody else's art, you know, like your tío, your prima, whatever, short, you know, and all that stuff, uh, which is kind of typical of, of our people, right? Like it's, it's it's awesome. I enjoy I enjoy but, that. Uh, but Kevin, you were saying you're leaning into it. Uh, can you elaborate? Yeah. So what I mean by that is is that like just like Emmanuel was saying, 300. Frank Miller was a big inspiration when we first started talking about the story. Uh, not not the person necessarily, but like Sin City and 300, where both are over the top, over masculine, over feminine characters. And the idea being is that we start off with that, and then as the story develops, they're going to get more net, uh, depth and nuance to the way the characters interact with each other. Um, but they're still going to be able to be like what the main character could take on an army by himself because that's just the kind of guy he is. Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, it's like um, we, I, I keep describing it as a sword and sorcery type story, which is like Conan the Barbarian and those kind of things. I, I don't want to call it a historical comic because it's definitely, I've done a ton of research to make sure that every named person in the story, even, even somebody who just walks by and you go, hi, just that one time you said their name. As 20 people, there's, no, he said about 12 people, 13 people that are totally named. They're actual people that lived in the Valley of Mexico at that time. Are you well, doing it to stop any, huh? any any trolls? Or just be like, oh, that's not legitimate. Oh, that, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Are you doing it to prevent that? No, I'm doing that because I personally am obsessed with history and storytelling. And to me, it's not important if a story really <laughs> happened. What's, it, what's important is... What, me, what happened? <laughs> To me, it's not important if a story really happened. It's important if people believe in the story and tell the story and retell the story. So that's why it's like I'm doing all this research so that it is based on the stories that have been told generation to generation of this founding of the city. Um, so we, what we did is we just took all these different stories that don't really have a main character and gave it a main character and said, all right, this is the character who's focusing the story around and, and his friends, his allies, his enemies, they're the ones that kind of make the story go forward. Uh, in the actual story, it's just, you know, uh, you know, the, the Mexica did this. They caused a war. They they lost the war. They ran away. But then there was a new war that they won, and then they moved to another battle. They did a lot of movement over the course of several years to get from the city that we start off in at the beginning of the story, Tizapan, to the the city that they finish, Tenochtitlan. Um, and we're just taking all of that and giving a main character that journey to go through those steps. I like the My idea. My point here is, go ahead, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My other point is like if uh, the Romans and the Vikings and like anywhere uh, around the world have the chance to make their culture bigger, why not us? I mean, yes, how come yes. we have to say like all like historical facts and all the kind of stuff? Like, no, we can play with it. We can create fantasy. I mean, three hundred never happened. I agree with you. Like, I agree with you in terms that. I mean, at this point, with the access to technology and information, and you know the efficiency of how we're able to communicate, it's like nobody's nobody's standing there uh, preventing us from doing this. But at the same time, uh, nobody's helping us out, right? In, in a certain term, like pumping money. That's why you're doing a fucking Kickstarter, right? So yeah. there's a lot of funding for to telling the stories of other people's. So then we're here trying to tell our stories and help people. You know, no, I so, I appreciate yeah. it as a as a parent of a ten year old boy that, you know, he's reading comic books, fiction, he's reading all this stuff. I'm trying to put that in front of him as much as possible, but it, it's like you're you're fighting the current upstream, you know, because everything else is westernized. You know, you're looking at the Greeks and the Romans and the Norse gods and everything, and they're like, oh, Thor and Zeus, like you said earlier, right? And even. I, I like these Percy Jackson books. Like, hey, they're, they all they modernize, they're dope. They're you know, awesome. they modernize the Greek and Romans gods. And you're like, wow, this is interesting. And, 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 but there's not enough of this fantasy yeah. slash yeah. reality that we can touch because my son, he, he, he went, he connected the dots. He's like, oh, so for them, this was real. Like for them in that those times, Zeus existed. 
like in those times for the Greeks, Jupiter, no, Roman flip around, it's Jupiter and, and, and Zeus, but they existed. So when you hear stories like this, you guys have the liberty to show a story that really happened, but still play with it, with the fantasy. Still, still turn it into a fantasy. That's why I say it's more sword and sorcery than alt history. Exactly. I dig it, man. I'm excited it, because it's something really unique. I like I really the map. Like I like the map that you put there. The map you put at the, at the, at the it kind of reminded me of like, uh, not not in terms of, uh, I don't know, I feel like a little bit like Sing Año de Soledad where you kind of get like a map, but it's like a family tree type thing. But this is, I don't know, like it would be in, like I like the map you put in the back. It helps me connect the dots. I was just looking at it right now in terms of, you know, who's who on, 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 on the playing field when it comes to, you know. So what he's talking about, what he's talking about is a map that I created based on my research. And mm -hmm. uh, I say based on the research because there are plenty of maps of what Tenochtitlan looked like when the Spaniards arrived. Every book I find has a map of that. I have mm -hmm. not been able to find a map of what the what the lake looked like before Tenochtitlan was founded. So I've had to kind of backtrack. And one of the big questions, for example, is the location of where the Mexica live. They live in a place called Tizapan, which is just every description of it in every book is always the same it was full of snakes and plants that can't be eaten that's all they would say it's just it's unedible and it's so that's, that's before that's before they 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 they, yeah, they went on their journey towards the they, lake right that's where that's before they go to Tenochtitlan. yeah but the thing is is that where the 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 uh community of of Tizapan is today in in mexico city is in a different location than where it makes sense to be in in the stories that I was reading. So it's like I'm trying to backtrack and figure out where is it. All the other locations are the same. That's the one location I couldn't figure out. And then as I'm doing it, I want to know where are the where are the characters going as the story progresses. So that map isn't necessarily for the issue right now. It's more of something that would be put together by the end of it. It's the idea like this is helping me plan out the plot. Where are they going? They're going to be here, and they're going to be here, and they're going to be here, and what happens in those locations. Um, so, so it gives context to where everything is, and it gives context to, you know, at some point, by the time the Spaniards get here, all of this area is under Mexica control. Now, mind you, it may be technically under another city, but that city is beholden to the Mexica. At this yeah, point, yeah. the Mexica are the second. Uh, what they were like taxes, right? They had they paid yeah, the tribute. Yeah, what, they pretty much here you here you go. This is what we owe you. Um, yeah. But it's also amazing because uh, in, in terms of uh, you know, I've been to Mexico and then. The, the beautiful thing about Mexico, you know, city itself and other other other, other cities of Mexico is that, you know, they're, they're I forget, uh, I have this friend, she's like, she's an, in, or she's a professor in Arlington now, but she was an engineer in Mexico for some time. She said like they were building a metro or something like that and boom, they hit like this amazing uh, snake or, you know, the, the, como se llama el de las dos cabezas? Um, and and, and and you go to Mexico City and there's buildings and there's like you could tell that that little piece of brick was repurposed and used <laughs> it was from the pyramid and now it's part of the church or something like that you know like the, the the culture is there we're looking at it and and it feels like we're still I mean not not, not I'm not I'm not saying that people from Mexico are overlooking it but we at least fail to see which like transplants from Mexico and El Salvador and other other countries so, where we come from. You're talking about like 200 years. Yeah. You're talking about 200 years where people were just saying, "Don't don't acknowledge it. Don't acknowledge it. Don't acknowledge it. Leave it alone. Leave it in the past." Now, yeah. in the present day, a lot of present day uh, Mexicans, Mexican Americans, are like, "No, I want to to find that history. No. I want to find that culture. I want to find where my ancestors came from." Uh, you know, so. So, can I ask you a question? Like, since we kind of mentioned this, like. I've I've had conversations with people where they they and even coworkers like older people and even younger people um, they it's all you guys are into it, like identity politics identity politics all the time right they they'll throw at that that at and I was like okay what is identity politics like oh you focus too much on race and all that stuff and it's like to me what it sounds like is like let me find out about who I am first you know let, give me a chance to go and look back. Who I am, like you had, you didn't take the time to teach me. You didn't take the time to to to, to show me anything. So, you know, f uh, forgive me if I am gonna go and look and see who I was, where I came from, feel proud about it, and then you immediately label that identity politics. You know, like when somebody when somebody asks me what my horoscope is, I say I'm not of Greek ancestry. I'm not of Chinese ancestry. So I'll tell you that I'm six Jaguar. Nice, nice. Uh -huh. 
I mean, Emmanuel. Uh, and you're from Mexico, Emmanuel. Like, you know, what's up? Emmanuel, like, <laughs> tell actually... me, what, what's your thoughts on this, too, as far as identity and you being an artist? I mean, I've, I've seen you at cons. We've met at cons. You know, we've chatted. I've seen other books you have. I almost, like, bought that big old um, thing you had, a like, big leather-bound book. That There you go. Just, that one right there. The codex. It's like, that's a work. I mean, it is a work of art, duh, but it, it's like. That's a work you know, of art, man. Pretty, yeah, it looks like the Nirvana case, <laughs> the, the, the collection they released. The, the book they're talking about is the Codex Valtieta, and it actually is a fold-out codex as an alt history of the Aztecs winning the war against the Spaniards. So you always, and, Manuel, had this idea in your head of like, yeah. like playing with the history, and and I know that book is mostly like a, a what-if story from what I remember, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. like as far as identity goes, is this just a motivation, like a like a factor? Like this book is gonna. You said it earlier, like you weren't worried about the Kickstarter because you knew it was gonna hit. I mean, can you touch on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're gonna talk about identity, right? Yeah. Here, and uh, I believe I said that, or I said this before, but uh, I, I mentioned that even if I was, uh, I don't know, like white American or like African or Asian, uh, I would like to think that I will still be in love with the Aztec culture. And then I, I was born in San Antonio and uh, I don't feel American, I feel Mexican. Sometimes I feel Texan, but like I, I will never feel American. Um, well, you spent some of your formative years in Mexico too, right? Yeah, yeah, I spent there like over 15 years, so which is like half my there life. You go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, like I don't wanna go very into uh, identity politics because I don't like it. But then again, I mean, it, I just like thinking that way. Like I, I met a lot of people. I remember this girl from uh, Finland, and then uh, I have a friend uh, in France. I mean, he's French, and they're like super into Aztecs. Like they have tattoos with Aztec gods, and they're white. And like, oh. dude, well, I mean, what the hell is it? I mean, what do you do that? I just like it. So I would like to think that if I was anything else uh, besides Mexican or uh, Hispanic, I would still be in love with the Aztec culture. I want to touch on something that's always kind of been up in the air and I never get a solid answer. I always get, for example, let's talk about the Japanese culture and anime. Okay. Manga, mm -hmm. anime, Japanese manga and anime has taken over the world. If you look at it, I mean, this particular culture being ancient, I mean, you, you look at this as why, why is it more well accepted than something that we would make? based upon this particular culture. I mean, we have plenty of rich culture. There's stories that are untold. There's so much freedom in this. It's historical, and yet there's a lot of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pageantry in what yeah, we can pro pro provide. Yeah. You know, and so... Look, it's, it's gotten to the point that I could say the word kaiju, or I could say the word yokai, and a lot of people will know what that means. Yeah. Because those come from Japanese cultural history, and, and, and not, not kaiju necessarily, but that comes from more of the entertainment history. Yeah. But regardless, with those words are now known. I would like to see more stories with that, that, that not just Mexican, but Mexican, Central American, Latin American ancestry that become known. And, and, and it's, by the way, this is something you talk about identity. The one aspect of identity politics that I think is definitely worth talking about is the idea that whatever label you give the community, the community of creators with this ancestry, we, we, we back each other up. You know, I've had people ask me, oh, I heard you're doing that story about Aztecs, but I heard somebody else is doing a comic book about Aztecs. Isn't that bad to have competition? I'm like, no, no, it's not competition. We support each other. We, we have a friend, uh, Gonzalo Alvarez. He's working Boy, on books. Oh, man, I have his stuff right here. Look. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and I know that's going to be amazing once, once that comes out because uh -huh. it, it, it's just so well done. It's retelling the Aztecs, but aiming at a younger audience than we are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I have a friend. You mentioned the Texas Latino Comic Con a minute ago. I, I met a new friend there, uh, Jay Gonzo. Uh, he's that was the artist on Tata uh, Tata Rambo. Rambo, and he's got this new like overly yeah. masculine one, La Mano del Destino, that uh, that is like our character where it's over the top, but his is like a modern day kind of fantasy version of luchadors, and ours is an ancient kind of fantasy version of Aztecs. It doesn't matter even if we overlap a little bit; we're all kind of trying to push the culture, trying to push like more people should read this, more people should see it. I'm with uh, you because it feels like it trickles into everything, right? Like pop culture in general, it trickles yeah. into. The clothes you wear we talked about how that's being appropriated and used and where we're like wow like this is now where we're going like walter told me a story about nordstrom selling like the like the ponchos no, for, like, no, no, the, bucks. no there was like they were selling like the we from oaxaca uh at the at a mall in uh here in austin and uh i there uh, she 
dance it and all this stuff and 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 she looked at it she saw it and we went inside and it was like two hundred dollars a piece and it was and then we we're like damn you know and then so people want it made it. in china you know made in china yeah. you know like it's like what the fuck? okay cool um but who's getting the money and it's like for sure whoever whatever cheap labor they use they're definitely not getting a decent cut from those 200 but um that's the one like i, I like the way you pointed out earlier that there's other people working on stuff and i'm gonna just like put my my cousin on the spot too because and myself because like about a probably almost a year ago we started also working on a story based on uh the myth, you know mythology in terms of in salvador you know kind of what you guys are doing but in El salvador with the lenca with the pipil uh with uh and just going die i dove i did a lot of research and dove into found out about anil and a bunch of stuff you know and it's like made me feel like like proud and 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 i like what you touched on in terms of the character that you have where you, it, it kind of brings about like it coalesces a feeling that was happening at the moment right like there's characters in El salvador there's one called acatlan or atlaclan who they say he he fought back a pizarro or, or what is it that the, the conquistador you know and there and there and, and, and there's the people say that he actually existed and then some say that he didn't but regardless he represents the rebellion fighting that so then yeah, that's um, a story that needs told yeah and 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 that doesn't mean we're gonna get to tell it i mean we sh we're trying to but you know there's also other hope you know there's more people out there telling it and and um but that, doesn't, that, mean, that doesn't mean it can't be told again. I mean, the more people tell the story, yeah, it's exactly. like this. Yeah, yeah. How, many, how many movies out there have Hercules in it? How uh, many movies? Too many. Yeah, yeah. And in many no, ways. Hercules in New York? What was it? Hercules in Manhattan? Was that Hercules in New York is a classic. <laughs> I have it on DVD on my show. Sheena, the warrior princess, you know, like you get also all this re retold and retold and retold again. And I'm going to tell you, you something. Know, you, you know, you fall into it and you, it doesn't get boring, you know? So, Go so, ahead, Amanda. Yeah. What do you got to say? Yeah, I'm going to say something that people hate it when I say it, but it's worth saying because it's the truth. Um, all those stories about Hercules, about uh, anime, Japanese culture, Chinese making like Mexican clothes and selling it for $200, it comes to the same uh, ending. Mexicans are not proud of their culture. Okay. But I know, I mean, you no, might no, no, hey, you, know like, you think that's changing though? I, I, I would say I, I would say historically that's been true. Like I talk to older generations, and like, okay, I'm extremely white. My mother was blonde, my dad's more dark skinned. And I remember I was dating a girl whose parents are from Mexico, and I heard them saying in Spanish to her, I Mija, we're so proud of you. You found a white boy. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't I don't, don't, don't want to hear that. But exactly. But as we get to the but as we get to the newer generations, the newer generations are embracing that past. The newer yeah. generations are like, yeah. hey, well, I mean, that's why yeah, yeah, yeah that's me and Kevin, we're working like that's you guys having a podcast. Just mm -hmm. me and Kevin working on a comic book, but still like I mean, we're when when you say like older generations, we're talking about people that are older than 40 years. Yes. So that's half the population in Mexico. Yeah, that sentiment where, where like people do um, Dia los Muertos, right? And people are starting to do it and then I'll even get comments from my parents or or, or, or other, you know, Mexican older people. And it's like, no, it's not. It's like, just because, you know, and I don't want to ruffle any feathers, I actually do. But, you know, like, I, I don't believe in oh, blue-eyed baby yeah. Jesus. I mean, so don't no, come I mean, and I think that you're right, Emanuel, to an extent. I think everybody's kind of on the same page where we've yeah. mentioned it too, where, yes, like the, the generations that would kind of hide it because they were you were code switching. You were a defense mechanism in a sense, you know? Like, I'm very light-skinned yes. as well, you know? Coach but look at my cousin, he's darker than I am. But yeah. like I said, now the culture is shifting, you know, to where we are embracing it more, which I'm glad. And Emmanuel does have a point. That's still there. That's still lingering. That old guard is still there. Like, nah, pues no me meto. No, I, I know Spanish, but I'm not going to use it. Or, you know, they yeah. they allow these things to appropriation to happen just to kind of exist without making waves. And that's what we've always done. We've always, at least the old the old ways, like you said, your stories. No, it's all action. It's all power. It's it's domination. It's making this culture that we talk about and don't know the full history on it, right? Then we come to an area where predominantly people have been, we've been, we were colonized, we were, we were battle-ridden, and it was more appeasement. It was more, okay, let's just survive. 
And yeah. that survival thing has been embedded in us for generations. And now we're finally yeah. breaking away from that. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, hopefully. Yeah. And embracing And this it. is because of social media. Like, that's because of the internet. I mean, people uh, found out about, like, what we used to be. They write by themselves. Like, people now have freedom to have their uh, their own opinion. You know, like, back in the day, and not even that long ago, like, 20 years ago, all you had was TV and the newspaper and magazine. Yeah. And it was Cantin Plus and Paul Rodriguez so whatever on he was TV, and that's there. it. You know? <laughs> yeah, Cantin Plus, that's it. Um but yeah, yeah. So whatever was written but, was on the TV uh -huh. at the time, that's what we had. No, and and another, like I just had a thought, like in terms, like wh when does it go from a pro, like from are we in a period of appropriation where we are sensitive to appropriation, but when does it become part of the culture, okay. like the Chinese tattoos? You know, like we're so, saying. So I, I want to address that. So the idea here is, I, I have Emmanuel saying his controversial thing. I'm going to say my controversial thing. Uh -oh. One controversial thing that I've said, and I say this out loud saying that I know it sounds horrible to say it. Say it. I kind of want my ancestral culture to be appropriated. And by that, I mean, that's what I was saying. By, by that, I, what I mean by that is this, you know, anywhere in the world I go, if I ask what's Thor's weapon, everybody knows it's a hammer. Anywhere yeah. in the world I go, if I ask who is Hercules's dad, they're all like Zeus. It's Zeus. You know, uh, there'll be a few people that say Jupiter, but most will be Zeus. Yeah. Right. And, and, and it's like, uh, I would like that kind of recognizability for this ancestral past. And what I mean by that is, is like already, if you, if you look, you mentioned anime a lot, right? There's a lot of anime because a lot of anime creators love taking from other mythologies, right? So there's a lot of Evangel anime. Neon Evangelion is like very, exactly. basically, yeah, okay. like But notice it's mostly Christian, it's mostly Germanic, it's mostly uh -huh. Greek. And when they do throw in something that's from Mesoamerica, it's like a name only. So like if you look up Quetzalcoatl and anime you're going to get some very interesting blonde girls all right um and, and and the thing is is that i don't blame them because that's all they know about it so what i'm saying is the more of these stories that are out there the yeah. more you're going to get a better story like when i tell people about like oh i love the aztec gods all the th uh, the thing i always hear is this oh you mean uh the feathered serpent he's the most powerful god and his brother tezcatlipoca and he's the enemy he's the evil god and i'm like none of that is accurate but it's okay because that's all they've heard so far. I'd love to have more of those stories to come out. Yeah, because so even, even uh, with, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but even in cultures like Eastern Indian cultures, those gods are getting more notoriety mm -hmm. and at least acknowledgement from, from I, I use the term pop culture, but just in general, more so no, in movies, the gods. I, I, watch a lot of, I watch a lot of Indian movies and they take a lot of terms from the gods and, and, and the historical, mm -hmm. you know, religions and cultures. One of my favorite movies uh, from India is, is, it's not a very popular one in India, but it's called Ra One. And, and the names of the characters are based on names from mythology, but they're like new cyborg heroes and all kinds of stuff like that. It's just it's that they put their like, words on it. What yeah. I love of Indian movies is the physics. Like, yeah. oh, <laughs> then, you watch, then you need to watch Raw One. Raw One is a weird, weird movie. It's a lot of fun. Like the Matrix ain't shit. Oh yeah, that's to exactly. Well, can think about it. A lot of the people that do the animation for those movies, like the Matrix, they, they live there in India, they live in China. So when they get to make movies, they're not making for the US, they make movies for themselves. They still have the same technology, the same skill set. Let's make our movie. Well, I wanna, yeah. I wanna move forward because I still wanna touch on on the work, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm excited because you guys have this passion and then, and then you have this motivation. Even both of you, it's it's great because you do have one side, like more, okay, you know what, I wanna, I wanna be very, like you're like me, you're very wordy. You have a lot of, a lot of uh, background in, in finding the facts and things like that. Emmanuel has his, his history as well, but it's more like this is going to be an awesome thing. You're going to want to, like, you know, it's like this is what I wanted. It's a great connection. It's the action movie. It's the commando mm -hmm. of, you know, of the, of the, as the Mexican, you know, like that kind of vibe, like action, adventure, but there's still historical behind it. And it's, it's nice to look at. It's great art. So I'm pumped because you guys are doing what we're just talking about, right? You're embracing the culture, you are really pushing it forward, and you're not you're not apologetic about it. It's not like you're catering to anything specific. You're doing it your way. Because I've come into issues where I'm writing something and I go, should I make that more white? Should I make that more, should I make it in English instead of Spanish? Should I change this wording or anything? Well, I will say that the, 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 the kind of catering that we're doing in that respect is this. 
I am presenting the story in the script, and Emmanuel in in, in the in the storytelling and in, in the pictures. We're presenting it as as a modern form of storytelling, you know. But the language the characters use, because I mean, it, I mean, I'm writing it in English. Emmanuel is going to translate to Spanish. We've had I've had several people ask me, "Can we get a version in Nahuatl?" And it's like even if people don't necessarily read that language, they would like it to be in as close of a, of the original uh, characters' language as possible. Um, I am. What I'm doing is okay. Let me give you an example. In uh, chapter two, I, I, which we, which is, we only have the script so far. We, we're still kind of developing. We're still in the middle of finishing chapter one. Uh, in chapter two, I have a a joke that I wrote in there that means nothing to anybody but me. And what it is is this: uh, the the Mexica are facing fading out, facing off against the Chichimex, and I wanted to know, you know, what's the origin of words? So, like for example, when they meet uh, the king Tatoani. Uh, that word translates to speaker. So in the language of the people there, he says, oh, great speaker, I see you. He never says, oh, king, I see you. It says speaker. Um, well, the Chichimec, that term could mean dog, but it also is extremely phonetically similar to the term for sucker. So I actually have a character, after, after defeating the Chichimecs, he goes, man, those suckers are running away with their tails between their legs. And that means nothing to anybody but me. But I thought it was funny. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do is I, I'm presenting it in a way that is accessible to the language of whoever's reading it. Mm -hmm. But I'm trying to do that, that in a way that also honors and respects and, and acknowledges the culture of where they come from. Who are you writing this book for? Like I'm talking so about just, a, who are you so writing this for? So I'm a teacher. And one of the things people have asked me is, are you writing this for your students? And I say, kind of. Because for right now, I'm, I'm teaching in Austin, Texas. But for nine years, I was teaching in Brownsville at, um, at a school that's right there on the border. And I had a lot of students tell me, flat out, they just, they didn't see heroes for them. They didn't see the point of, of superheroes because what's the point? None of them are me. And I'm not writing it for them, but I do want to say that most of those kids were like 18, 19, 17 years old. And kids that age would get into this. I am, this is definitely not a book for middle schoolers. We mentioned our friend uh, doing Poyo Man. Yeah. Uh, Poyo Man is definitely aimed at a, at a younger reading audience. Ours isn't that. So ours is more of like older high school, college, beyond people would care about it people who want like think about the audience of the book 300 yeah you know frank miller's book 300 is a historical book but it's told with blood and guts and nudity and all kinds of other weird well, stuff like sin city uh, i mean it's like you yeah. you you forgive yeah. a lot of things just to, for the grittiness of it you know because that's what he's going for and we're not we're not quite to that level where i'm not i i, I feel like as first-time creators we don't have the the leeway to just automatically do an X-rated comic and just get away with it. I feel like you need to have a little bit of clout before you can do that. Um, you're not you're not trying to you're not trying to do what is it apocalyptico? Okay, so let's talk about that movie for a second. I mean, that is appropriating the culture, but I still liked it. It's a good like, movie. It's a good like, movie man. Hey man, I'm like, Jaguar he, Paul. I I mean I remember he, it. It's memorable. Exactly. You know? He's presenting characters. Look at Emmanuel, that hold are, on. Everybody acknowledge Emmanuel's face. I mean, what is it? Well, what's wrong with it? What is it? Yeah, yeah. Come on, tell yeah, us. Go ahead, no, no, I just I, I love the movie, man. I've seen it like five yeah. times, and every yeah, time I see someone like a it on Facebook, I always sit down and watch it. Like, <laughs> but and, I see what you're saying. Like, but but in that movie, the characters are ostensibly Mayan. But they're mm -hmm. presented with an Aztec sensibility, and yes. it's done at a time period when nobody should have been acting like that because this is when the Spaniards are already showing up. Spoilers for the last five minutes of the movie. Um, so, so Mel Gibson is literally picking and choosing from like three or four centuries worth of time and condensing them all into one, which, yeah, you could see that as cultural appropriation, but at the same time, it presented it in a way that allowed audiences that never would have seen this kind of culture yeah, exactly. a chance to see it. You know, like, and so, like I wonder. Like, thing with Rodel Dorado. You ever see the cartoon Rodel Dorado? Yes. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I, I love that movie. In that movie, and I've had to hear people complain. Well, what's the culture of that? Well, it's a fictional culture. They, it's a fictional culture that was never discovered. Yeah. But it's based vaguely on Mayan and Aztec sensibilities. Which, yeah, it's kind of so, so, together. So it's it's for like that. Mel Gibson and, and um, for Mel Gibson and Apocalyptico. How I mean, it was fuck. How long ago did that movie come out? Twenty years you know? ago. Like, Over um, ten years ago. How, like how hard do you think was it for for Mel Gibb? Did he fund it himself? Like how hard would it was it for him to get it started? Like the fact that he had, you know my what understanding mean? is he funded it himself. That was around the same time he was doing Passion of the Christ. So he mm -hmm. had that Passion of the Christ money, you know. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, but, 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 but what I'm trying to say is like, what if he wouldn't have been Mel Gibson? 
would he have been able to get that movie made? You no. know, like no. I don't that, think that's, even, that's, that's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. Yeah. So, I mean, so, I mean, where do you draw the line for a cultural appropriation? I mean, but I draw the line like, at, the, at the blonde uh, Quetzalcoatl in anime. That's what I. That's where I draw that. <laughs> but yeah, that's going way too far. But what's like what's, what's, what's the line? We talked about this before. Like, what's pandering and what's appropriation? What's uh, you know, where where do those lines define themselves? But I, I, I get what Kevin's saying because, like, Walter and me talked about, we're like, the only way, when Kevin, I check, you were the encyclopedia of Marvel. I'm like, there is no Marvel, there is no Salvadoreño superhero. And you're like, wait, let me check. I looked, I, I was sure there would be, and I looked, and there wasn't. Because I, well, the first, one of the first things I did for Marvel was I helped out unpaid, but just a little bit of help with them on their Atlas project where they were trying to get superheroes and villains from every single country in the world. And I was like, oh, there has to be some for El Salvador. Nope. Nope. <laughs> All that happens is we're a, we we're a, a, we're a background. A we're a battlefield. Yeah, it was a battlefield for a Hulk storyline that I also wrote about, and I hated that Hulk storyline. It's a battlefield. It, the no. Hulk storyline where it took place in El Salvador was actually uh, Hulk versus the, the Mayan gods for 2012. And whoever did that story did zero research either into Marvel history or Mayan history. And because too, he ignored both of them in writing that story. And, I, and it really upset me, but I still wrote about it. No, but the thing is, if someone came along and wrote a story, or me and Walter write the story that, you know, from characters from El Salvador, and we reference those, those old cultures and all that, uh, you might read it, a handful of people might read it, but then yeah. if... More, more people would read it. If DiCaprio comes in with his people and goes, hey, you know what, I made my money off Robotech, let's go ahead and make this happen, a Salvadorian heroes, and we're like, oh shit, boom, the world blows up. You oh know? yeah, that'd be amazing. But it's just the, the reality of but, it, unfortunately. But, but at the same time, it's like Emmanuel was saying earlier, you know, older generations didn't care about that stuff, but but the current generation is all about bringing back that history. So if you were to do that story about El Salvadoran heroes that people don't talk about, people right now would care because they'd be like, I did not know there were El Salvadoran uh, cultural yeah, heroes. I want to know about this story. And I'm not saying that. Oh my God! All of a sudden, I'm proud to be from a Salvador, but it, oh, but so you're not proud. Like, you're saying. Like, I, 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 yeah, and I'm not right. saying I'm not proud. But then you look up stuff, and it's like, oh shit! Like we were one of the few, you know, in Salvador, people in El Salvador. Um, there, there were one of the few to kind of push back the conquistadors, and he that motherfucker died, and, he, and his brother had to come back and finish the job. Like you know, so it's like you know, we put up a fucking fight. We went like. What's it called? The Iron Maiden run to the hills, you know, like that's what we literally did, you know, like run to the fucking hills and we pushed them back. So it's like stories like those that you have to really go out there and, and, and look for them. Um, you know, they're, they're, but they're, we they're, have... not necessarily, they're not necessarily being censored, no. but they're not, they're not being showed. Right. They're no, not well, I want to because we're talking about <clears throat> we want to talk about, uh, you know, moving forward and, and also want to make sure that we acknowledge that, like Kevin said, the community, right? Because the community is doing this. So let's not just erase it that, oh, no one's yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. No, no, we're doing it. We're out there, we're doing it, we're supporting each other. You know, again, I want to bring up you know the, the Kickstarter. I want to make sure that you guys uh, drive traffic to it. This is still ongoing. I mean, you look at the artwork on the website, against kickstarter.com, you look up Teoatil. I'm going to get it right yeah. one of these days. When the, when the animated series comes out, <laughs> I'll, I'll, pronounce it. I'll have it down by then. I'll have it down by then. So a Kickstarter, uh, so, so, T-E-O-A-T-L. Yeah, and also, uh, I don't know if it's any easier to find or not, but like I have a website and a YouTube channel, and it's also the name on the Kickstarter, and that's Monomythic. Uh, and that's something that I use to originally just write essays about things that I cared about with mythology and, and heroes and legends. But in the past year, I've used it mostly to interview creators who create their own stuff. Uh, one of the guys I interviewed, for example, uh, Javier Hernandez, he, he's uh, uh, an idol to both myself and, and Emmanuel. Uh, he made El Muerto, yeah. And, and he just had a successful Kickstarter, all right? Yeah. And now people like me and, and Jay yeah, Gonzo. What, 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 was it his first? It was his first, right? I, I don't know if it was his first yeah, Kickstarter, it was his first. But, but it was definitely, it was definitely, it was his first? Yeah, yeah. his first one. But Yeah, but, but again, and, and that was to collect the new stories that he's telling yeah. for El Muerto. If people want to find us, they could also try finding me through Monomythic, uh, which is monomythic.com. Uh, it's youtube.com slash monomythic. It's kickstarter.com slash, I think that's what was it, kickstarter.com slash project slash monomythic. And that's where it is. That's because that was just something that I created for myself to tell my own stories. It was to 
Uh, originally, it was for essays about history, about heroes and and and, uh, and gods and monsters and that kind of stuff. But more recently, I've used it to interview creators. Like I interviewed Javier Hernandez, who just had his successful Kickstarter for El Muerto. Oh, He's yeah. a guy that both Emmanuel and I look up to. Um, you know, and then uh, through that, I got to work with the Texas Latino Comic Con people where I met Jay Gonzo. He, he's doing his Kickstarter right now as well, you know, with Mano de Lucino. And it's like, he was just talking to me the other day, like both of us want to help each other out. Like he's just starting his Kickstarter out. Ours is already funded, but we want to keep pushing. My, my, our ultimate goal for Manuel and I, our ultimate goal is a finished graphic novel. This isn't like Spider-Man or Superman where the stories just go on forever. There is a story here. Once they get to that eagle and the cactus and everything, that's our final chapter. That's where we're getting to everything. Uh, so uh, we'd like to tell that complete story. And I don't think, given that this is our first book, that we could go to Kickstarter and say, all right, we want you to fund our entire graphic novel and be done with it. So instead, we're, we're funding our chapter one. And we want to show chapter one. And if we make enough money, then we can also make a digital version of chapter two and get those out to people. And the idea being is that if people see that and they like it, and I hope they do, then we can come back later on, maybe a few months from now, maybe a year from now, and say, all right, we now want to get the entire graphic novel done. We're not going to do it piecemeal, piece by piece. We want to show the entire story, the entire epic in one book. Help us fund that. you know. And so, so that's why I, I keep trying to push. Even though we have already met our goal uh, for this chapter, we want to keep going for the full project. And so if people believe in this, if people care about this kind of thing, if you said supporting the community, then please come and help us out. Please help us push this so that we can get as close as we can so that we can afford to, like, for example, my day job is teacher, but Emmanuel's day job is artist. And he needs to be able to pay his bills with his art. And that's been really, really hard during COVID because all the artists that used to make a lot of money off comic cons and everything else have not been able to go talk to people. So if you help us out, that helps us continue working and helps us make the book that much faster. All right, that was a lot all at once. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, Emanuel, I, I want to hear your, your take, man. Please, you know, tell the fans out there, everybody listening, why they should support your book and really explain why we need to support this type of art and this type of work. Well, I'll go back to what we were talking before. Uh, prove me wrong with what I said. Like, please, uh, <laughs> like that. everyone out there, like uh, uh, Mexican-Americans and uh, Mexicans, please come and, like, prove me wrong. Um I know the new generations love Mexican culture, so please come and uh, back us, back the project. I promise that this is yeah. something different, something you've never seen. It's a story that has never been told in uh, pop media. In, in, yeah, pop media, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, There's it, books, but you have to find them. Yeah, yeah, but like then again, I mean, right now, no one reads. <laughs> sadly. And you're sadly. making a comic book. Okay, guys, read. that's a good oh, pitch. That's writing. <laughs> No, I do read. Like I, I'm not talking for myself, but like <laughs> the people I know don't read. I mean, but they like they read comic books. I I, I always talk to my friend and he's out of the context. So like, dude, you don't even read. He's like, yeah, I do read articles online. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> that two minute read. Okay, I can read this. You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So then again, I mean, that's what we're doing. This we want to keep the culture alive. Uh, there's a bunch of artists and writers and. Uh, podcasters out there doing this so like if we all support each other we can get out there along with the romans along with the greek along with mm -hmm. the japanese like we want and we will be on the same level and we'll we, we are working on it and we, we will achieve it i promise you and and keep in mind and keep in mind that like you know we've been interviewing a lot of creators and you know they have they have the kickstarters going on and setting them up or in the future coming uh I mean, at the same time, it, people at least make it sound like you're asking for free money. You know what I mean? Like you're asking, it's like, no, you're getting a product in return. You're literally getting a product in return. So don't forget that. You're like, yeah, you're funding something for people to kind of put some, you know, get some legs underneath them and, 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 and kind of shoot for the stars and stuff. Uh, uh, but you're buying something, you know, don't forget yeah. that you're actually buying something. You're not, it's not free money. You know, you're not just handing yeah. out. Handing it out yeah. Worth yeah. mentioning, like at this point, it's not a crowdfunding anymore. It's a pre-sale yeah. of the comic. Yeah, pre-sale. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Because it's it's going to get made now. That's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. I'm excited. I said I'm 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 gonna jump on board right here after the show, and mm -hmm. put my support in. You know, I definitely like the idea of the postcards. That I my wife likes to set them up on behind me and put them up, switch I, them out. I get postcards from my friends art, and I put it up in my classroom. has all that art. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be great. And, you know, I want to just wind down the show here and first and just uh, 
thank you guys. You know, thank you guys for sharing your time, your story. Thank you for having us. Of course, of course. Gracias of course. a ustedes. No, no, que no va a ser la última vez. You know, it's not going to be the last time. I know that we like, like we said earlier, back on the Comic-Con, you know, if you guys did catch that episode, it's a matter of meeting the people that are doing the work. You know, like it's who you know, and it's good to know the people doing it and doing it the right way, the right passion. And just you feel good because you can say, you know what? This place came from a genuine, genuine want to just have our culture displayed for, for future generations, you know, in a way that you can look back and go, you know, how you can fact check people nowadays and go back to your Twitter 20, 10 years ago and see what they're talking about. You can look at this artist. You can look at this writer and look at their work and it's 100% genuine, you know, and factual as much as possible within the means, right? So with that, you know, I want to thank our listeners. Of course, we appreciate you coming to us week by week. You know, you can check us out all over social media at My Primos Podcast. We're on all the streaming services. Still haven't figured out the, what is it? I think Stitcher, one of those off ones. But anyways, the big ones that matter, we're there. So check us out week by week <laughs> at My Primos Podcast. And uh, as usual, Walter, take us out, man. Uh, I don't know. Just glad to have you guys. It was very, I don't know, the universe provides in one way or another. I've been going down a rabbit hole trying to find out about my culture uh, recently, even more so, falling asleep to videos of YouTube about <laughs> Aztec and Mayan Empire. So it feels good to have people out there actually telling the stories or trying to tell stories. Um, and, you know, like uh, at a at the Texas Latino Comic Con, El Muchacho del Cinto, you know. Uh, er, 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 uh, Earthly Comics, right? Unearthly yeah, comics, that one yeah. looks good. It looks a lot. It looks like a lot of fun. Like him, he mentioned something. He said, like you know, we we demand content, but when it's there, we don't support it. You know, we always want you know big shiny lights, but the big shiny lights start off somewhere. You know, with the little candle somewhere else. So let let's light that candle. You know, kind of that feeling. You know, so now, where can, anyways, can people follow uh, you guys on social media as well? I want to make sure we put that out there. Yeah. You go to kevingarcia.com and you can find all my social media. But to be honest, I don't post a lot of social media. But, uh, Mezzo, Mezzo, so. but the, the work on, on your interviews with Javier, they can find that on yeah. YouTube as well on that yeah. website. You'll link yeah, to so, it. So, Kevin, so YouTube.com slash monomythic is probably where you'll find more of my stuff right now uh, or monomythic.com. Um, but uh, social media, I, I, I don't post a lot. It's only when I have projects coming up or when I have talks that I'm giving up that I post. Trying to get better at social media, I suck at it. I'm an old man when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> Manuel, on the other hand, Manuel is a master of Instagram. How do we find an Instagram, Manuel? Yeah, you can find me as, uh, as Emmanuel Valtierra Illustrator. Like, if you type that, you will find my Instagram, my Facebook fan page, and my website. And my YouTube channel will be uh, Codices Aztecas, Aztec Codics, like the four words. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, I have it, like, I'm speaking Spanish in the channel. But have English subtitles if anyone you know wants to check learn out more. his channel. He's got animated videos of Aztec mythology that are just yeah, beautiful. True. Wow. Okay, sure. we'll, we'll put that no, in the no. link, man. We'll look it up and put in our links here as well. But thank you guys for everything, listeners. We'll see you next week. Cuídense. Adiós. <laughs>